0: Hey, Queens, and welcome to the Purity After Promiscuity podcast, where we're redefining a woman's worth. I'm your host, Janelle Renee. I'm so excited. Today is a very special day for those of us who are believers, who are Christians. It is what a lot of westernized um, religion or belief systems or church will refer to as Good Friday. But Um, For us who really are um, the believers in the body of Christ, it really is Passover, right? If you read the Bible in Exodus 12, it talks about um, when God was preparing Israel to finally be coming out of bondage. How many of y'all are ready to come out of bondage? Okay, this is what this podcast is all about. So this is so good. So it, it was when God was, after he had performed his nine plagues which was really to show his power against pharaoh because pharaoh exalted himself as a god right because pharaoh worshipped all of these idols and deities that all these different types of gods that egypt worshipped. and so um if anybody has any um understanding of how power works right it's you know you can have power of god right which is what is considered legal power in a sense and then you can have illegal power which is going to be the power from demons the enemy and all of that stuff that's where you know that's where witchcraft comes from that's where magic comes from you know that's that's where um sorcery comes from psychics divination you know the old cult, new age all of these things right so that's why that stuff works if we honest like you know i'm not here because i like again we keep it hot on the podcast i know i'm kind of going in deep you know and i haven't greeted you all but this is just where i'm at today bear with me um But, you know, a lot of times we like to be so ignorant to things or we like to dismiss things or because we're ignorant, we just have a um, improper perspective about a thing. Right. And so even me, I'll start with me. Like, if I'm honest, for a long time, I guess I never just thought too deep into it, to be honest. I never thought too deep into witchcraft or the old cult or new age or crystals or you know tarot cards or horoscopes or psychic readings because I never was into that you know I'm saying so for me because I was never into it I wasn't really exposed to it not that I know of um so it wasn't even something that I gave thought to but so then as i started to grow in my christian walk and the um these terms started coming up and spiritual warfare started coming up and the demonic started coming up and the unseen world started coming up and and witchcraft started coming up and then lo and behold guess what the bible talks about witchcraft The Bible talks about sorcery. The Bible talks about mediums. The Bible talks about psychics or soothsayers or, you know, all of these different things. All of these occult practices, right, really is in the Bible. That's why it's so important, y'all. For those of us that are Christians... I just say to you, please read your Bible for yourself. Get you a translation you can understand. Get you a concordance. Get you some study tools. Get Google, okay? You can Google up a word in the Hebrew, in the Greek. You can Google up just the just the English meaning of a word so you that can get understanding. The Bible tells us wisdom is the principal thing, but it in, in, in all that getting, get understanding, right? So that's why a lot of times people don't like to read the Bible because it sometimes can be hard to understand. So anyway... So all this stuff started coming up, right? And now I'm thinking to myself like, so people really practice witchcraft? Like that's kind of like the question that I had, like like so people really do that? You know? And then my next question was like, so that stuff is real? You know what I mean? Cuz I was so ignorant to it. Just because it was something that I just didn't really think of. Yeah, I see movies where there's witches and warlocks and wizards and, you know, practitioners. And you might watch certain movies that maybe are from a certain culture. and You might see a witch doctor, a voodoo priestess and all that stuff. And you think, oh, whoa, it's just entertainment. No, not so. It's real. So Egypt, they worshipped all these different gods who represented Different, um, like represents fertility, represents life, represents prosperity. You know, all of these different deities that they worship um, that had powers for a certain thing. And so when God did each nine plagues, he was challenging their gods. Every time he, he he did something, like when he turned the um, Nile to, to blood and he, which represented death and everything in the Nile died when it became blood. See he was challenging their perspective. He was challenging their belief and ultimately he was challenging their God because they had a God, um, I think Kanam or Kanam or something like that. I may not have said it right, but who was the God of the Nile, which was their source. The Nile River was their source because they did a lot of importing and exporting, you know, water is, is necessary for just daily life. You know, they would get, they would fish, they would bathe, they would just do so many things from water so the water was their source of life right of livelihood so they had this god that was supposed to be over this this Nile the river who was giving them life so they would offer up sacrifices and they would do ceremonies and and rituals and and do all of these things to, so so they can you know please this god so he can continue to bless them and bless their the blessed this the uh the Nile, right? So, when God turned the Nile into blood, see, we gotta read the Bible in the more um with just with a um, more open mind and truly go in deep and don't read it on a surface level because to understand that it does sound like very you know like it, it's a, exciting to be like, oh my god, that's a miracle in itself he turned the whole entire river into blood and everything in it started dying and it started stinking and it was just disgusting and they couldn't bathe, they couldn't drink water, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't do nothing, right? Because again, that was their source. But what we really got to understand is he wasn't coming to just to turn, he didn't just haphazardly or all oh, willy-nilly turn the the river into blood. No, he was letting them know like, okay, since y'all got this God that y'all worship that y'all pray to that y'all believe in and he is supposed to be the lord g god over the nile he's supposed to have all the power and control and authority over the nile and and to give and make sure that the nile is 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 um clean so y'all can continue to have a life and, and and flow from it so now god is saying well i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to turn that into blood and everything and it's going to die so who got the real power cuz why your god couldn't come up against the god you know Elohim Adonai, why he couldn't come up against the living God and and prevent God from turning what he was supposed to have all the power over into blood. So each each plague represented a different challenge to that particular God who was supposed to have the power over it, over that. Right. And so here we are nine plagues in God undefeated he's nine and zero. Oh, you know what I'm saying and here we go coming up to the 10th plague so the 10th plague was going to be a different plague because this plague was now going to directly affect the people of Egypt but as God was preparing to uh to put this plague into motion he began to prepare his people and he gave them specific instru- specific excuse me instructions on what to do. You know, they were to get all the yeast out of their house, right? What is yeast? Yeast is what is put in beds in, in um, bread to make it rise, right? So that's where we how we see our bread today. Most of the time, our bread and crackers and just different things have yeast in it, right? Whether it's a little or a lot. This is why in the Bible it say, a little yeast can sport a whole bunch, because it only take a little yeast, but it can make the whole loaf rise. But he told them, like, take all the yeast out your house, which really represented take all the sin out. Their house meant their soul. That represented their soul. He like get Purify yourself. Consecrate yourself. See, because one thing about God, God is not indifferent. And so because he's not indifferent, he don't violate his own laws. And see, Egypt was guilty of sin because they were already practicing their idolatry. They were already evil. They were already wicked. They were already oppressing the people. They were just already sinning. So the judgments that befell them was rightfully due based on their own actions. But... At the same time, Israel was also guilty of sin because they had been cultivated in, in Egypt for over 400 years. So now the culture of Egypt, the ways of Egypt, the practices of Egypt, the mindset of Egypt, the beliefs of Egypt, right? All of that was now ingrained in them because that was what they grew up in. That's what they were raised up in. So when God said, take all the leaven out, your, um, all of the yeast or some translations say all of the leaven out your house, he meant for you to take the sin out your house, Purify yourself. Now you need to confess. Now you need to repent because this last plague is going to be a plague of death. And it's going to come kill the firstborn of every person in Egypt from Pharaoh to the maid servants to the to the even the, the beast, the cattle, every firstborn because it was significance in that. Right. He and So he was going to send the death angel. And because the death angel was going to come, Israel could not have sin in them. So the first thing God told them to do, take the sin out your life in order for me to truly be able to cover you. You got to, you got to take the sin out, right? So they had, they had to go and they had to begin to confess and repent, repent, meaning they had to just turn and go in a different direction. They just had to stop doing it. So after they did that, then he said, listen, I want you to take the unleavened bread now and I want you to bake cakes. I want you to get um, a lamb with no spot and no defects again, the Passover lamb, which really now in the new covenant is Christ Jesus. But see back then they were still giving sacrifices and they, well, they were going to start having to give sacrifices of animals, um, to atone for their sin. So now, but when he first told them to get the lamb, he gave them the instruction. They were supposed to kill it. And they were supposed to then take some of the blood of the lamb. And then they, that's when they were supposed to mark their door, their door post, you know, the size and the top, you know, and the bottom of it, which again, um, represents the cross because everything God does is always pointing to what he's going to do. Like God, because he doesn't stand in time. So it was really pointing to Jesus, to Jesus coming and he being on the cross and being the final lamb, you know, um, Passover lamb. So That was their first, that was their second instruction. Get this lamb, lamb without spot or defect, lamb of the firstborn, certain type of lamb. It couldn't be just any lamb. It couldn't have, you know, any spots, any defects, any deformities. It had to be a perfect lamb. And that again represented Jesus, but this was thousands of years before Jesus came. So then their second instruction was after they marked the doorpost, then they were supposed to go and roast the lamb. Specifically, he said, roast it by fire. He said, don't don't eat it raw. Don't boil it. Don't try to deviate from the instruction. Right. How many of us Christians, how many of us believers, if we honest, because I'm, I'm I'm be the first one to say I'm, I'm definitely guilty. But how many times we get an instruction from God and then we go and tweak it? We go and tweak it. We go and we do, and we just make little adjustments because that's what we think makes sense, or that thing we think we can help God a little bit and make it a little better. And so He's like, "Listen, don't deviate from the instructions. So don't don't think that if you if you just okay, let me just boil it real quick. You know, I know He said roasted by fire, but let me just boil it because long as it's cooked, long as it ain't raw. No, He said roasted by fire. He said, and then I want you to eat it with the cake right so now you have a meal right because god is always gonna prepare you for what's ahead so now he's making sure that they're nourished now he's making sure they got energy and got strength because he know now he about to send them on a journey so then so after that he said and don't let any of it stay until the next day if you have any left burn it all. Don't let don't, don't there's no leftovers here. We don't we're not taking the the old into the new, right? Cuz God is always interested in doing a new thing. You didn't need to take from your old season. See, sometimes we trying to take things from our old season into our new season. God like, "Listen, no. How I sustained you in your old season was for your old season, but what I'm doing in this season is for your new season. So you don't need to take any of that." And then he even said, when he told him to get a lamb, he like, listen, if some of y'all, if some, if some of their families are too small for a whole lamb, let them go ahead and, 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 and align with their neighbor and they get a lamb that represents them together. So he wanted to make sure he covered all bases that everybody had what they needed. Cause that's the kind of God we serve. He's, he's a God who made sure we have everything we need, even down to the small details. So some of us who feel like we so insignificant, we're, we're, you know, we're so small. We look small in our own eyes, like Israel, like the report of the 10 spies came back and they said, oh, there were giants of the, of, of the Anak in the land. And they're so huge. And we look like grasshoppers in their sight. Now they never talked to the giants in the land. They just observed them. And so they don't know what the giants thought about them, but in their own mind, they felt like grasshoppers against the giants. So they go back and they give a whole report and say, we are like grasshoppers, but it's like, no, who told you that? So for you, daughter of God, for you, woman of God, for you redefining your worth, who told you you wasn't worthy? Who told you you wasn't valuable? Who told you that? Anyway, so then after everybody had their lamb, they was to roast it. They was to eat it with a, um, with a cake with unleavened bread. So the, this cake was like, it was really like a cracker, you know, because it, it never, it didn't rise because it didn't have the yeast. And so it was really like a thin cracker you know some a thin wafer if you will and then it, it was the meat and they were to have a meal and then god told him to put on your clothes put your cloak grab your things he was like put your shoes on you know like and, and put and put put your um and, and put your bag your sack around you like prepare get prepared like because you about to go he's like told him like listen. And this is what he's saying even today. He's like, get prepared. Get prepared. Put your shoes on. Put your clothes on. Put your coat on. Grab your purse. Grab your bag because you about to take off. And oh, I'm feeling it today, y'all. I know this is probably more like a sermon. It just is what it is. I hope no one's offended. Um, I really do. But this is how what God has given me, and I yield this podcast to Him and Him alone. So I say what He told me to say. So I really pray that you really just listen to what I'm saying. You sh- you will get something from it. But this is so important because the time we're in and this particular day, right? And so even as they were about to go out he told them i'm going to give you your favor <laughs> with the people with egypt right The same people who were just oppressing you, the same people that was putting a whip on your back, the same people that was putting a foot on your neck, the same people that was holding you back, holding you down, preventing you from elevating, uh, accelerating, preventing you from flourishing, growing, advancing. The same people who was just keeping you in bondage. I'm going to put favor on on you, so whatever you ask them for, they going to give it to you. So God set the whole stage and he made sure they was prepared. So then he went ahead and he sent the death angel. My God. So that's where we get the term Passover from because when he sent the death angel, because the Israelites obeyed his entire instruction from Word for word, they did not deviate. They didn't alter it. They obeyed. Just like the word says, do not add, do not take away. They obeyed his instruction. And because they obeyed, they were able to be covered. And the covering was the blood. In the same way our covering today is the blood. It was the blood that let the deaf angel know he had to pass over every house that had the mark that had the blood on it. So today is not Good Friday. Today really represents Passover was what was really that was really the origin or the catalyst or the genesis or the beginning of what Jesus came to fulfill. So as as this became a festival in Jewish culture for them to take in this particular moment right now today, everywhere in Israel or every Jewish community, they are they are they are um, really celebrating this sacred time because this is a sacred time. This is where everything is shut down everything is um really just focused on god worshiping god just put being put in remembrance of what he did how he brought his people out of bondage out of slave out of the land of slavery in egypt and then really how christ now has become that has now become that lamb that um that that sacrifice and his blood being poured out is what now is covering us and marking us so a lot of us even though we set ourselves in positions where we probably should have been dead or the bullet should have hit us or the or the or the sickness should have hit us come on now let's be honest how many of us know especially let's keep it real if you have lived a life of promiscuity i know me i wasn't always doing it um it responsibly i wasn't always putting having a guy put on a condom i'm just going to be honest and so how many know that even sexually transmitted disease has to pass over, AIDS ha- has to pass over, and you might see somebody else who doing exactly what you're doing, but it hit their house. Why? Because the blood. Because the blood. Because the blood, so this is a time that it is so significant because this represents the how God brought his people out of the land of Egypt with great miracles, signs, wonders, and with his outstretched arm and his mighty hand, and he did it in such a way that even the people of Egypt had to know. If they never knew, because when Moses first went to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh, hey, my God said, let His let my people go. He said, let his people go. Pharaoh like, uh, okay, why should I listen to your God? I don't know him. Like Pharaoh like, and? But now God had, now he made a statement. So now they went, now Pharaoh went from, I don't know him. Like, why do I got to listen to him? Who is he? I'm Pharaoh. I'm a God, you know, to now seeing like, wait a minute. Hold up. <laughs> Blow, something that has now shifted in even Pharaoh's mind, even though the Bible said God hardened his heart, but Pharaoh's heart was already hardened. If it wasn't, he wouldn't have been oppressing Israel. He was already hardened. So God didn't really have to harden his heart. He, it was already hardened. God just used what was already there, which was a hardened heart. But now Pharaoh had an experience, he had an encounter where he got to see the power of God demonstrated against all of his power and against all of the power of every God that he served. So come on, that had to put, now that's something being put in his mind. Like, wait a minute, maybe there is another God and maybe he is the true God, even though the scripture don't make that clear, but that is something we could probably gather because what would you think? Especially after your, your own firstborn child died because it said that next day when God, after they obeyed God and they did all of that and God sent the death angel in the night so all of the people of Egypt were asleep. He sent it in the night. See, sometimes when God come to avenge you, when he come to, um, to rescue you, when he come to vindicate you, see, sometimes he do it at night where it ain't in front of everybody in the moment. My God. That's a word for somebody. You think God is overlooking you. You think God is ignoring your prayers. You think God is turning his face from your situation. What you don't know is, see, God is already sending the answer. He's already coming. He's already about to show up and show out. He's already preparing a table in the presence of your enemies. He's just doing it in the midnight hour. Because in the same way, they'll, they they call like from, from 12 midnight to like three, you know, witching hours, especially like around 3 a.m. That's where like darkness and the demonic and stuff is really, really heightened because that's when a lot of them are offering sacrifices, you know, worshiping at their um, altars, performing uh, ceremonies and rituals and, you know, praying to their gods and all that stuff. You know, so that hour is in particularly where a lot of a lot of demonic activity happens. But what did God do? He let his activity happen at the hour where really the demonic where darkness will be happening. So sometimes God's answer has come. We just ain't seen it yet. It ain't hit the light yet. So that night he sent the death angel. And when in that morning at the dawning, soon the people of Egypt opened their eyes. There was a great wailing in the land. There was a great welling in the land because there was not a person or animal in that entire land who did not have a child, a firstborn child, or someone in their family die. Down to the cattle. So, whatever God they worshiped for life, longevity, Whatever God that they felt like they was offering up gifts and sacrifice to, to ensure their protection, to ensure the protection of their family, that was dismantled in that moment. God showed himself strong and mighty and unmatched, and he has no equals. So at that moment, that's when the Egyptians like, get the Israelites out of here. At least we going to die. Like now we all going to die. Now the fear of God came on them see sometimes God has to you know strategically come against those that are coming against you sometimes he has to make calculated steps he don't do it all at once because some people are so hardened some people just you know they're 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 so stubborn that you know God has to really show them in multiple ways who he really is and so they got to the point where now because of one of their firstborn died. They like, okay, the fear of God came upon them. They like, you know what? Get them out of here right now. So they got sent out immediately. They told them to go leave right now. Go worship your God. Take you, take all your people, take your cattle, take your kids, take your babies. And so now Israel, now they looking like, okay, well, we need this. We need some we need some gold, we need some silver, we need some jewelry, we need we need some clothing, we need some cloth. We need this. And it said because of the favor of God was on them, they plunder Egypt on their way out. Again, so the very people who was oppressing you and coming against you and the people, you know, who was attacking you, the people who was, you know, persecuting you, lying on you, the people who betrayed you, it was the very people who was holding them in bondage and captivity blessed them on their way out. So this is why this time is so sacred and is so powerful and is so holy is because it represents a true and a time in history where God delivered almost about or over a million people. It was 600,000 plus men because they didn't really count the women and children. So you got to know that people were married. People had kids. You don't have to know the exact number to be able to do the math. Even if, if there was just every man had a wife. That's already over a million people. And he did it in such a miraculous, powerful way. In the same way, when Jesus went to the cross. It was something that had never been seen before. It was people who didn't even believe that he was the son of God. It was the Jewish people and, and the Sadducees and Pharisees. They were still waiting on the f- fulfillment of the Torah, thinking that the that the Messiah was going to come in some other kind of way, in some other kind of form. It looked a different way, so they missed the move of God. So they didn't catch wind of what God was doing in the moment, and they didn't realize that on today over 2000 years ago, when that man who was without sin named Jesus Christ, when he went up on the cross and when they nailed him and when they pierced him and when he took that last breath and before he took it, he said it is finished. That meant that every demonic form of oppression, every demonic form of bondage that was holding you captive now has set you free. that's why today is so significant and so today always priests, it always leads up until to sunday which again over here westernized culture calls it easter that's not necessarily biblical but because it's something that most people can identify with we'll call it easter but it's really resurrection sunday because it is the day that when death thought it had it had an advantage over jesus when when he said My God, Jesus said, for I have the authority to lay my life down. No one's taking it from me. He's like, I willingly laid it down. I lay it down and I have the authority to pick it back up. And so in three days, he rose. So this is a particularly remarkable time in history. If you can have ears to hear, if you can catch the revelation, you know, if you can take the time and steal yourself and begin to go to God in prayer, ask him to give you more understanding of, of the Passover and the meaning of it and what it represents and what it represents to you. Cause what is he trying to deliver you out of today? What is he trying to deliver you out of today? What, what, <laughs> my God. What assignment was the enemy releasing on you that God said going to have to pass over? Brokenness, ain't your portion no more. Depression, ain't your portion no more. Low self-esteem, ain't your portion no more. Anxiety, worry, ain't your portion no more. Lowliness, ain't your portion no more. Unforgiveness. Ain't your portion no more. Sister, if we going to redefine our work. We got to get real. The battle and it is real. When they were in oppression, when they were being oppressed and they were be, had whips to their back and they was forced to work 18, 12 and 18-hour days and they was forced to do all of this hard, hard labor. That's why some people use that that cliché, "Oh, you trying to work me like a Hebrew slave?" Because them Hebrew slaves, they put the whip to their back. They was already being um, you know, in hard labor. But when God, the move of God started to happen, when God, when Moses sent God back to Pharaoh initially, and He would said what God told Him to say, and He told Pharaoh, "Let my people go." What Pharaoh ended up doing, He made the hard work even more hard, because that's sometimes what happens. Sometimes God, you pray and things get harder, and you think to yourself, "Well, what did I pray for?" How, how, why as soon as I pray, why as soon as I fasted, why as soon as I stopped, um, having sex, why did things, It feel like all oh, heck broke, broke loose in my life because it's designed that way. Because sometimes that's just that th- those forces trying to come against you to get you to relent, to get you to give up. Other times it's just God setting the stage. So. Even Moses had to go back and question God, like, God, why would you send me to Pharaoh and tell him that um, I am that I am, that my God, the God of Israel, told me to tell him to let my people go. And then next thing you know, he done made the, hope, the work on the people that much harder. Now the people mad at me and they want to kill me. Come on now. Let's keep it real. Every time we, every time God, we go to God and we pray, or we expect something to turn around, or we expect a different um response from a person, or we expect the situation to go in a different direction, and we know we done prayed, and we know we done fasted, and we know we are being obedient, we're doing everything right. And it still gets more hard. My, how many of us know that that's sometimes the reality? How many of us know that, sis? When you decide you want, you want to redefine your worth, baby. Baby girl, let me tell you something. All kinds of stuff going to start happening. Honey. When you decide you don't want to have to, you know, leave with your body no more, you don't have to be, you know, overly sexual or provocative, or you don't have to give your body to a man to prove that you like him, or you don't have to let people take advantage of you, or whatever the case may be, or whatever, how you've got yourself in in this place of promiscuity, however got you there. Once you get the revelation that, no, I'm more than this, I don't care how many bodies is under me, I'm more than this. The moment that you decide that you don't want to be in that sin anymore, oh honey, all kinds of stuff going to come up. A guy that you didn't even think ever looked your way, the finest guy that you could ever think of, the most uh, charming guy, you know, the guy who got all the money, got the cards, he's fine, he's successful. All of a sudden, they're going to come knocking at your door. Your exes, they're going to come back. You know, all of a sudden, you going you gonna start, your body is gonna start, you know, you gonna start being horny a little more often. Or maybe even it's gonna be a little more intense. You know, you're gonna find yourself constantly, you know, having to cast down the thought of, oh, you just wanna have sex. You know, it's it, things are going, things are gonna start rising up because that's that what that's what happens the moment we decide we wanna make a change. The moment now that whatever behavior that we have normalized to our body, once we decide to disrupt that, the body is not trying to let go willingly. Not without a fight. The body going to fight you. Even if it's not men. Even if it's not somebody coming to physically try to, you know, uh, get you off course. Sometimes it's just your body. Because Paul, the apostle Paul said in Romans, he said, I delight in your law in my mind. Like in my spirit, in my mind, I delight in your law. But then there is another law at work in my members. That's the flesh. Cause the flesh ain't listen, the, the flesh don't obey God. The flesh don't don't doesn't want to do the right thing the flesh doesn't you have to pull, make the flesh come under subjection to your spirit it is your spirit man that is what is oh that is can obey god and will obey god that's why the bible says your your spirit is willing but your flesh is weak so it'd be your own body see because that was my struggle it wasn't hard for me to stop physically having sex because, again, y'all know my story. If you don't, you can go back and listen to um, some previous episodes where I talk about my biggest, even though I was out here having sex and I was promiscuous, and most of the time I didn't know why because I didn't enjoy it that much. Um, it was just, it just really came more of like a routine because it was almost like it was an expectation. But when it came time for me to decide I didn't want to have sex, that wasn't hard. That was easy. What I did have a hard time with though, the struggle was real when I, had, when, when I needed to really come against my own body and I said I wasn't going to masturbate no more. That was the problem. Because my flesh was like, sis, what you mean? You've been masturbating all these years. Now all of a sudden you're going to stop? No. That's how it is. So it's, it was the same thing. So Moses went and did exactly what God told him to do. Some of us have done exactly what we believe God led us to do and then all heck broke loose. And see, that's in that, in that moment, that's a make or break moment because either you're going to be committed to God and to the process or you're going to abort the mission. Moses almost, you know, he went back to God like, listen... Like, what are you doing to me? I didn't even ask for this. I didn't even want to come and get these people. I was living my best life in Midian. I had been there 40 years. I had got me a, uh, you know, I had I had got me a wife, a family. You know, I became a shepherd. You know what I'm saying? I was really living my best life. You didn't send me back here to this place that I was running from 40 years ago because I murdered a guy who was coming against my people and beating up and mistreating my people. And then I had to leave this place place in haste and this and, and, and running for my life and you sent me back to the very place where I had to run for my life so I already didn't want to come here but I came and you tell me to tell this this pharaoh what did you said let your people go and I do that even though I didn't want to do that either but I did it in obedience and then he go and turn and make it extremely much more difficult for the people the very people I'm here to deliver God, I don't understand this. What's going on? And that's how some of us feel. Like, Lord, I don't understand. I'm doing everything right. I'm really trying to live my best life. I'm really trying to redefine my worth. I really am trying to live for you. But why is it that now I'm experiencing so much opposition? God is setting the stage. See, we don't, we have the Bible. So we get to see the beginning to the end, you know, not in real time, but they were living it. So Moses had no idea what God was about to do. He had no idea about the miracle signs and wonders. He had no idea about the plagues. He had no idea, you know, about none of that stuff. He just was living in the moment. And he had to trust God. Because he was he he was committed. So some of us got to get committed to the process of redefining our work, And some of us need to be committed if you're a Christian to get serious about your salvation, to really get to, to be committed to God. Because see, the here's going to be the problem. If you can't commit to you or you can't commit to doing something that's beneficial for you, why do you think you can commit yourself to God? Why do you think the scripture tells us that? Um, as wives, wives submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. The key word is as unto the Lord. So if you're not submitted unto God, what makes you think you can submit unto your husband? But again, we see here a moment in history where God had did something prolific. <laughs> Yo, God is still doing prolific things he's still bringing people out of bondage he's still bringing people out of oppression sis i don't care what your bondage is i don't care what your Egypt is i don't care if you were a prostitute i don't care if you are a prostitute i don't care if you are a stripper i don't care if you're sleeping with somebody's husband i don't care if you a mistress i don't care if you what you doing i don't care if you a lesbian I don't care if you're addicted to drugs. I don't care if you're addicted to gambling. I don't care if you're addicted to shopping. I don't care what it is. God is still bringing people out of bondage. And that's what this day is all about. That is why this moment in history, this moment in time, in the calendar, Jewish calendar, the Hebrew calendar, it is such a, 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 a powerful time because if you if you catch it if you catch it and you can discern the times and you can align with God you will see the impossible if nobody else in your family got out got out of the the pattern the cycle I don't care how long you've been in poverty I don't care how long you've been a single mama I don't care I don't care how long you've been in whatever form of bondage that you've been in. I don't care what's have, what have been oppressing you and how long it's been oppressing you. It does not matter. There is nothing too hard for God. Not one thing. They had been in, they had been in Egypt over 400 years. So you know what? They probably had got so comfortable that the idea that they would ever get out was probably, it literally was probably not even on their mind. They probably had just accepted the fact this is our life. Because this is what we've seen for generation, for and generation and generation, right? And some of us feel like that too. Some of, some of us feel like we come from generations of single um, parents. Some of us feel like we come from generations of divorce. Some of us feel like we come from the de- generations of poverty. Some of us feel like we come from generations of addiction. Some of us feel like we come from generations of mental illness, gem- dem- generations of, of sickness and disease and infirmity. Some of us feel like we come from just generations of something. And, and, and we begin to accept the facts. That's the worst thing you could ever do is lose hope and stop believing because the moment you stop believing you gonna stop trying i did not think y'all y'all have no idea and i do talk about my experience my testimony my real life i'm talking about everything that i say i went through i went through it for a lot of it, I have receipts. I have eyewitnesses. There's people who can corroborate everything that I say. I do not get up on here to make stories up, to steal other people's uh, life's testimonies and pretend it's mine. None of that. This is my life. Like I've been through hell. Understand me. I've even made my own bed in hell. I had given up. I, I really didn't think that I could ever get out of that life. I didn't ever think that I could just make, just, just see my way out because if I'm about to be 40, let's put things in perspective. I'm not a young girl. I'm not 20. I'm not 25. I'm about to be 40 in, in, in September. So I'm talking about a whole generation. Was I literally almost a whole generation have I been in bondage? Bondage to insecurity, bondage to poverty, bondage to promiscuity, bondage to low self-esteem, bondage to anxiety, bondage to wor uh to, to worry, bondage to lack bondage to you know a a lack of worth a lack of value bondage to you know feeling like a failure I was in bondage to addiction you know addiction to pornography and masturbation bondage I was in bondage do y'all hear me and I was in it so long and yes I used to try to get out I had done things over the years where I thought it was what I could do to get out and it didn't work and that's when that disappointment and, and, and that despair and be a disheartened begins to break you down. And then the next time you try, it, it do, it, it, disappointment happens again. And then you just, you begin to lose momentum and you begin to lose wind because every time you try, you get knocked down. And at some point you just be like, you know what? I'm just going out next time. I'm gonna probably just be knocked out. I didn't been there. I didn't been there. I know what that's like. And there was moments in my life where I was going to accept things. Infirmities, sicknesses, illness, having a brain hemorrhage at 17, having dang on seizures out of nowhere, you know, being diagnosed with, um, uh, A brain cavernoma because I had the um, aneurysm, you know, like all of this stuff and then getting in a terrible car accident, having to have back surgery. Now they're telling me I got a permanent back injury. Now it's affecting my whole body, like my leg. I ain't had the right functioning of my leg. Some of my toes still numb. Then my knees started hurting me so bad that it was times that I would literally not be able to sleep because the pain would be so horrible. And, they t- and then they talk about I got to get shots in my knees. Then they want to do another procedure. Then they telling me that, you know, if it, the, the older I get is going to get worse. Just all this stuff. And I'm like, man, no, I'm too young. Y'all trying to give me a death sentence. Like, no, absolutely not. But for a moment, they kept trying to tell me, oh, Janelle, you just need to accept your new normal. The devil is a liar. No, sis. No, ma'am. No, sir. That might be somebody else's normal, but it ain't mine. And I never could accept it. They made me feel like I wasn't going to better really work, that I was really going to be like disabled. You know, went just encouraging me to fill out for disability. I used to fight them people like, "I don't want to be on no disability." My my primary care doctor in in her with her good heart because she's been my primary care for so long, I trust her, I love her, telling me I need to get a home health aid. Excuse me. No, ma'am, trying to put me on all these medications, this medication for pain, this medication for inflammation, this medication for this, for for this nerve problem, this for this, this shot for this, this, uh, what, excuse me, who, who about to have a whole pill cabinet full of medication they got to take every day, who, who about to have to go to the doctor every month, every other month, who going to have to keep going to get surgery after surgery, who. Who not going really to really better walk? Who? Who not going to have the same quality of life as they had before this happened to me? Who? But see, had I allowed them and their good advice and their expertise really caused me to believe that that was my reality, it may have been the facts in the moment. But I refuse to let it be my reality. Sis, you got to refuse to let your current circumstance be your reality. No matter how long you've been in that thing. I was dealing with this injury for these last five years. Five. or four, yeah, excuse me, four, last four years, this was in 2018. Nevertheless, listen, sometimes, yes, the facts are the facts. True indeed. Your circumstance is circumstance. The situation is situation. You know, your experience is your experience. Your history is your history. (laughs) But God, he's the one who knows your future. He said for, he knows the plans he has for you and it is for a hope and a future. So that means your past is behind you. And this is why he needed them to repent and to confess and get the sin out of them because he didn't want them to bring their past into their future, their past habits, their past mindsets, their past way of doing their past way of thinking, all of these things that have been cultivated by their environment and by their history. He needed them to have a shift in their uh, mindset, a paradigm shift. He needed them to have a shift in, in, in their entire makeup so that now that where they could where they were going, they could actually They can actually make it and thrive. So your past is of no consequence. All your past is going to be for you now. It's going to be under your foot. And it's going to be a testimony that you're going to have. That you're going to be able to testify to other women. Who has gone through something similar. Or maybe the same thing. And you're going to be the hope that they need. That they can get out to. That's what your past is going to be. If you let it. If you let it. So again, I... I had no idea what I was going to talk about. Still not sure what I'm titling this just yet. I may just have to title it when I do the description. But I'm just saying to you, sis, we in a time right now for all who are going to listen to the podcast today on April 15th on Friday. Um, This is a moment, you know, Friday, tomorrow, the Sabbath, even um, on Resurrection Sunday. You know, this time that we're in, this is the time that the Lord can and will if you align with him, if you believe he will bring you out of that bondage and you will truly be able to walk in redefining your worth. Hey Queens. Um, I know I forgot to greet you all. And I just had to get it out. Right. It was one of those things where, you know, it was like boiling over, you know, and when a kid really got something they want to say and they antsy and they moving all around because they just got to get it out and they can't wait to get it out. And they want you to, you know, give them some attention so they can release what it is that they need to say. Well, I needed to release this because this is for me, but this is for you. And the time we're in is serious, it's powerful, it's real. Let them who have ears to hear, let them hear. This is the moment in time where I don't care how long you've been and what you've been in, this is the time that you can be delivered. We serve a God, again, those of us who are believers, who have the God who is a deliverer. Doesn't matter what the bondage is, doesn't matter how long you've been in it. So, uh, with that being said, Hey girl, to all my new listeners, I know y'all probably, if this your first time, you probably like got on here, like, whoa, wait, what is this? Um, (laughs) it's not normally like this. Um, you know, occasionally, um, it flows a little differently sometime, but I'm gonna be honest, as much as this is not a Christian podcast, meaning you don't have to be a Christian. It's not just for christians it but i am a christian and because of that you know my beliefs and um my truth is always very um interwoven into the podcast right Um, but again I'm not here to try to coerce you or convince you you know my prayer is that you hear something that you know makes you even just a little curious you know makes you you know start to think about you know makes you kind of want to inquire about you know the life of the believer and God the God that we serve in Jesus Christ our personal Lord and Savior and if that is you you know I pray that you just um you can pray. Now, I don't know the official um, prayer of salvation, but what I do know the Bible says, and this is because this is your personal time, because what if you don't know, and if you're not a Christian, a relationship with God, first of all, it's not a religion. It's, it's not that. It's a relationship. And just like a relationship is different for everybody. Like, yeah, marriage is an institution that is just like a one-off thing, right? But, everybody's relationship within marriage can look different so everybody's relationship to god will look different it's personal it's personal so um the bible tells us in acts one um that when they when the crowd the multitude asked peter what did they need to do to be saved he told them you know that they needed to confess what do they need to confess? They need to confess their sin. Anything you know that is that is you're doing and it's not right, where you have a conviction about it, where you kind of like are indifferent about it, or you just know it's blatantly wrong. Right? That is for that's between you and God. You don't owe that to me or nobody else. Right? So you confess your sins, right? And then after you confess um, your sins, you confess. You also. Um, then you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, right? And you can just, you know, however you feel led to say that. Again, this is between you you and God. The the beautiful thing about God is he can talk to you and he can lead you even though you're not already a believer. Or even if you were a believer and you fell away, right? And so you need to just make the confession of Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Then you need to um, be baptized for the remission of sins and then be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So that's really kind of like how a person... Get saved. I know there's a lot of different um ways that churches may um express that a lot of times they just have you repeat after them a particular um, statement or scripture or you know a statement based on what the scripture says because yes it does tell us if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart Jesus Christ is Lord then we shall be saved but the the confession of our sins which and, and really being able to be honest with God and ourselves is definitely key also baptism is as well and being filled with the Holy Spirit because that is the true evidence of salvation is being filled with the Holy Spirit. So if that's you and you want to do that, please feel free to do that in your own time. If you would like me to lead you in that, help you with that, explain that with you a little more, then you can feel free to reach out to me. Um, we have a Facebook page at Redefining a Woman's Worth. Um, there is also a I have a personal Instagram at Janelle Renee underscore one. And then I have a um, direct email at purity purity after promiscuity promiscuity at gmail.com that's purity after promiscuity at gmail.com you can reach out to me for anything you need if it's just prayer if it's just support if it's just you know you just need somebody to vent to talk to it don't matter you can reach out to me i do respond you can even directly message me through the um through the Facebook page, all of that, feel free, please. Um, it is important, but again, this, I'm not here. This podcast is not here to try to convert you or push any beliefs or practices. I do respect everybody, and I do respect where everybody is and what your um, experiences are and what your beliefs are. And I just ask for the same respect, disrespect mine as well. And then also to my loyal listeners hey, girl, hey, queens, you know, you guys, um, my new listeners, first time listeners faithful listeners. You all mean so much to me. This is why I get up here and do this. This is why I'm so passionate about you because I can see you just being the, just the beautiful women that you're called to be the whole and healed virgin of you because being whole and being healed are two different things. And we want both, right? We can't have one without the other. So I'm believing for y'all to be whole. I'm believing for God to set some of you free. Even as you listen to this episode today, that freedom is your portion that whatever bondage that has been holding you, that the walls have to come down now, that the doors have to come open now, that the shackles have to be broken now in the name of Jesus Christ. That is my prayer. And so um, until we meet again, (laughs) just remember your past does not define you. It develops you and you are worthy.